Hey folks, it's Lee again, and I know this summer is a little weird for Ancient and New, and we have been, we've missed a couple weeks here and there because of vacations or Young Life Camp or whatever, and now we're in this weird situation where Thomas is uh, with Maddie. He is officially a Young Life spouse, while his wife Maddie is on staff doing her summer assignment at Clearwater Cove in Lampy, Missouri, in the Ozarks on Table Rock Lake. It's a really, really awesome camp, and Thomas is out there um, basically... Um, you know, hanging out with Jude and, you know, maybe every now and then seeing some of our high school friends who are on work crew out there, but mainly being a support to Maddie as she does a super important job managing a team of work crew kids who are in housekeeping at the Young Life Camp. Anyway, okay, all that to say, every now and then we get pictures and videos from their experience at camp, which is really fun because my daughter Nora is out there and our buddies, you know, Bryson and Tyreek and Ella and Henry and Megan and and Maya, they're all out there together uh, with Maddie, and it's really, really sweet. Manny's at Windy Gap, and we don't have anybody there, so we rarely get, you know, photos or videos. But anyway, all that to say, the other day we got this video, which is the whole work crew is out in front of all of the kids who are at camp, and they're doing a welcome kind of thing. They're just kind of introducing the work crew. So they have the work crew come out. Um, and do like a lip sync to be our guest from The Little Mermaid, um, which is just fun times, really silly and sweet or whatever. Well, they get to the end of Be Our Guest. It's just huge, you know, uh, showstopper finale, and the work crew are all filing out of the dining room, and all of a sudden there's... <laughs> there's six-foot-three teacocks, Thomas holding up Jude like Simba, like Rafiki holding up Simba on Pride Rock. And all the kids are going crazy, and the work crew are singing Be Our Guest. And there's Thomas holding up Jude like Simba. And all of a sudden, Jude just starts clapping. He's, you know, he's eight and a half feet in the air at this point. And all the middle school kids at the camp are going crazy, and there's Jude just clapping. Sweet, sweet sight to behold. So, um, Thomas and I may not be together right now this summer, but we have managed to pull together an ancient new episode for you. And through the magical technology of the interwebs, here is from Table Rock Lake, Clearwater Cove, a Young Life Camp in Lampy, Missouri, the one and only Thomas Cox, here to share a word with you. Call this uh, unfinished thoughts. That'll be the name of this episode, Lee. And you should probably just include that in this part of the bit. I'm currently um, walking around a Young Life camp in Missouri. It's 109 degrees right now. Um, I didn't know Missouri was this hot, and that's about as hot as I've experienced. Actually, no. I think one time I was in, I was in the Mojave Desert, and it was 112. But Thankfully, there's a breeze, so it's like a hot... It, it's a hot breeze, though. Um, so, anyways, I, this is... Like Lee mentioned in that little one-off episode he did, which was awesome, and he totally called me out about his little Hebrews addiction. That's what we're going to call it now, your Hebrews addiction. Um, I we, We've kind of been bouncing around, and um, we've kind of spent time at some places. Me, right now, he and I, a few weeks ago together... Um, where it, I don't know how to say this other than like it feels like magical things happen and it's not magic it's just 
when you're in, it feels sometimes like when you're just elbow deep in the middle of something that God's doing, you see some really, really cool things. Um, so when we were at Young Life Camp a couple weeks ago, Lee already mentioned it, we just saw some awesome things. Like we saw the Lord move in really cool ways. We saw him flip the light switch on in high schoolers' hearts, um, ones we've been praying for for years, ones we had just met. So it's just, it's really cool to be kind of knee deep in that stuff and see the the holy spirit moving um and on the other side of that like you see some crazy stuff that the enemy tries to do and it's just like oh yeah they're just kind of like these little wake-up calls when you step outside of like your everyday little routine um that sometimes could i don't know if monotonous is the right word but like where it could be easy to lose sight of really cool things the holy spirit is doing so i think so I let myself believe sometimes. Um, I don't think that's actually true, though. I've been reading through... Actually, the coolest thing happened... I've been reading through the one-year Bible, um, but like the moment I stepped on to Carolina Point, which is where Lee and I took kids to camp, and excuse the, the background noise, I'm walking around outside, and it's windy, and um, it's the only place I could get quiet because everywhere inside is full of people because it's so hot. But... Um, when I stepped foot on Carolina Point, I got to the place in the one-year Bible that I was just like, this couldn't be more perfect. Um, I, I made it to Acts, which I always forget is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, I don't know if I could call it my favorite. Um, definitely not like Lee and Hebrews, but it is one of my favorites because so many really cool things happen. Once I'm, uh, our, our boss, Tom, our, well, yeah, Tom, my, my pastor, who I've been close with for a long time, said um, the book of Acts is kind of like a rocket ship going off, like in the in the uh, beginning of Christianity. It just burned really hot, really fast. And you see a lot of really cool things happening. And sometimes when I see it, I'm a little bit envious. I'm, I'm like, man, there's that, that really cool place. I think it's in either chapter three or chapter four where Peter is like walking around and people are just trying to get in his shadow to be healed. Peter's someone I've always related to, um, in a lot of ways, but I just find myself being a little bit envious. And of course you see, uh, you see Saul who is torturing and killing Christians have an amazing experience with the Lord. Um, and then become the most well-known missionary of all time, arguably. Um, and I just found myself wondering in the middle of being in these like weeks that have felt super spiritual, uh, like, no, I'm not having these things where I'm speaking in other languages just off the cuff or I'm healing people or whatever the thing is. But I found myself looking kind of deeper into those situations and I had a bit of a hunch and this is why I'm calling it unfinished thoughts. Cause I haven't gone back and connected all the dots yet. Cause I don't think it's 100% true. One thing I've realized is a lot of times in these moments, uh, it's just people doing the will of the Lord and then things happen. Um, and here's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not saying like, yeah, just do the will of the Lord today. And then you're going to get, uh, you're going to heal somebody's broken leg or you're going to speak in tongues or whatever. Like, I, I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is if you wake up and you do things, you know, the Lord wants you to do, I think cool things will happen. Um, there was this place where, uh, in chapter 16, where Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. Um, and 
I just, I had this hunch when I was thinking about this. I read this a few days ago. I, I was thinking to myself, like, what were some of these really cool moments? And I remembered this one because it's such a dramatic, uh, like, firecracker event. And I thought to myself, I wonder what was going on when it happened. Even though I just read it, I was like, I need to go back and confirm this. And this is in chapter uh, 16, verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, right there. That is, they're, they're in jail already. They're locked up. They're in chains. It says they're in the inner cell, um, fastened with their feet fastened in stocks. And Paul and Silas start singing and praying to the Lord. Okay, that's not a crazy thing. Maybe circumstantially our brains tell ourselves, uh, yeah, I would not be singing hymns or praying to the Lord if I was in, in jail right now. Um, actually, Lee and I spend enough time in prison to know that happens all the time. That's what a lot of prisoners are doing all the time. We have a buddy right now in the prison system who had a really good job in the prison system who is quitting his job just specifically so he can read scripture more. He just said, I don't want to work anymore. I just want to read the Bible all day. I think that is so cool. So here we find Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Uh, obviously, it must have meant something crazy that that happened for the jailer if he was willing to execute himself on the spot. Says the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, I love that it says sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in, the, in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Um, I'm not saying that if you wake up tomorrow and decide, I'm just going to try my best to do the will of the Lord today. Um, I'm not saying be perfect, don't sin. But there are simple things that I think we can do on a daily basis as believers that are going to lead to cool things that happen just by living our life, by waking up, spending time with the Lord, spending a day in communion with him, talking with him, singing to him, talking to our friends, singing with our friends, praying with our friends. I think cool things happen out of those things like that. I, I just have a hunch that if you're somebody who's looking for a dynamic life that's full of a lot of really cool things, instead of trying to shoot big right off the bat, instead of trying to just drop everything and do the crazy thing, which there's been many times in my life where I've thought, if I could just live in a tent somewhere or if I could move my whole family really quickly and give away all of our money, I think I've learned and I think I'm seeing it in scripture more often than I'm not. It's people who just wake up and they do the small things and really cool things happen from that. That's some good stuff, T. Really, really well put, really well said. That wind was loud and I'm sorry it's so hot there, but thanks for sharing with us. Um, 
over the magic of the interwebs. By the way, don't tell me what to name the episodes from Missouri. That's ridiculous. You can't just give me several episode titles and one of them is about what you think my favorite book in the Bible is. That's ludicrous. I'll call the episode whatever I want to. Um, Okay, so I want to share something with you guys from um, Mark chapter 5. And this comes after the story. um, You may remember this if you're familiar with the Gospels where... Uh, Jesus and his guys, um, this, they have this, uh, you know, they're in a boat and they land on the, on the shore of this, of this place and they get out and there is a guy there who is, has been possessed by demons. I mean, just like evil spirits are like running this guy's mind, like tons and tons of voices in his head pulling him, ripping him this way and that. He's not in his right mind. He was like living in a graveyard. He had, he was running around with no clothes on. He was tearing himself to pieces. They tried to chain him with chains and he had like this crazy strength where he broke the chains and everything. And, um, and then Jesus spoke into his life and his mind cleared up and he knew who he was again. And it says the disciples saw him and he was clothed and in his right mind, Jesus healed him. And this is what's said after that healing takes place. This is, the, this is uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 18. The people, be, or sorry, verse 17. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So... The man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This phrase struck me. Jesus's instruction here is, tell people how much the Lord has done for you. That's your job. I know you want to come with us. I know you want to go on this grand adventure. I have a different job for you. I just want you to tell people what I've done in your life. And it made me think about this thing. Um, It comes from a a guy who is a clinical psychologist from the University of Washington, the United States. He's kind of the expert on love relationships and marriage and how to make a marriage work. He's been researching marriage for 40 years. He's interviewed literally thousands of couples. He wrote the book on on how to make a marriage work and not like from his clinical, um, like, you know, opinions, but from just data, just from these are the things that I found in just researching and asking questions. And he's seen so many patterns develop that he can tell within a few minutes when he sits down with a couple, if they're in good shape or not, or if they're in trouble or not. And he says, one of the biggest indicators is when you sit down with a couple for the first time as a counselor and you ask them, and I do this when I do premarital counseling, and by the way, for our younger listeners, Um, if you, this is like a sneak preview. If you ask me, um, to walk you through you and your, uh, your beloved one day through some premarital counseling on your way to getting married, you will get this question. I will ask you, tell me your story. Tell me as if I know nothing about you, how you met, um, how you began a relationship with the Lord, how you fell in love with each other and how, what your dating life was like. Just tell me your story. And what this, this clinical psychologist, this, they call him the love doctor. His name is Dr. John Gottman. What John Gottman says is the way a couple tells their story is super, super important. If they tell their story 
um, with a lot of like handholding and affection and laughing, that's a couple that loves their story. If they tell their story with a lot of argumentation and stepping over each other and tension, then it's telling you something else about their story. How you tell your story matters. Jesus said to this man who was healed, go into the village and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. I was thinking about the fact that when you see something really, really awesome happen, that you like was unexpected and really, really cool, you don't have any problem telling that story with a lot of energy and a lot of heart. For instance, just real quick, for instance, this past weekend, my family and I went camping um, a few hours away from our house, this place called Roan Mountain outside of Johnson City, Tennessee. And it's a beautiful campground. We went with a bunch of our friends from our church. There were like 35 people there, a bunch of little kids running around and stuff like that. And at this camp, this group campsite, there's a place with like a water pump and you like pull this handle up and water comes out and you can wash your dishes and stuff like that. And every year that we've gone, we've gone a few years in a row now, that water pump place becomes a gigantic mud hole like really quickly just because the water just lands on this mud and the more you wash your dishes the more goopy and gross it becomes well this year a significant difference happened in our trip and that is my buddy charlie job came with us son of tom job one of my best friends in my entire life my college roommate my wife's cousin just a dear dear friend but he's also like a brilliant engineer and a problem solver and he loves to just get things done so he found this like twisted old piece of metal that looked like it was from like a a car hitch or something like that. And he just went over one afternoon while people were hanging out, eating chips and playing guitars and, you know, taking naps and hammocks. And he just started digging. He started digging a hole and then he dug and dug and dug. And before you know it, Charlie is like armpit deep in the mud looking for some geological phenomenon or something. And he is like, I'm going to make a French drain right here in this campsite. (laughs) Uh, mind you, he doesn't work for the Roan Mountain State Park or anything like that, but he's just taking the initiative and just digging a trench. So he dug a hole and then he dug a trench and then he went around and started collecting gravel from all over the campsite and filled that thing with gravel. And before you know it, we've got a working drain. It's not a mess anymore to wash dishes. It's a joy. Like the water just drains. It just disappears. He just engineered it. He just problem solved. And since we've gotten back from camping, I've told that story like six different times to six different people. I love telling that story. It was amazing. Out of nowhere, this gigantic problem has been solved. Okay. So your life. When you think about your life and the state it was in before you came into contact with the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus, and then what your life is like now. I know it's not perfect. I know you still got problems and questions and issues. But do you love to tell the story? Are you happy to tell anybody that listens like, hey man, I'm, you know, I, I really respect, you know, the way that you do your work or the way, you, you know, I'll tell you what, I used to be this, but something's happened to me. Someone has come into my life. How do I tell the story of Jesus coming into my life? Who was instrumental in that process? How did he use them to change my life for the better? It's a really important thing. Like how... How do you look back and tell the story of the journey of your life? What does the impact of Jesus mean to you? How do you think about it? How do you tell that story? It's a cool question. It's worth thinking about. I hope you guys have a great week 
and I hope we're back with you very, very soon. I'm going to try to hit up Thomas for another episode, many episodes, so we can do this together again. Uh, together again. And this week, we're going to close out the episode. We always close out with a song. Um, this week, I'm going to do a little shameless self-promotion. Many, many years ago, I think it was like in 2007, maybe 2006, 2007, I wrote a song about that guy, um, the, the guy who was living in tombs and who had so many voices pulling him this way and that way, and then the voice of Jesus spoke into his life and everything changed. And I hope that he went back into that village and, well, we know, he went back into that village and he told the story of how Jesus changed his life and people were amazed. And may people be amazed as well about the way that we love to tell the story of Jesus speaking into our life and changing everything. Guys, thanks so much. He's Thomas, I'm Lee, and this has been Ancient and New. Well, I wrap myself up in these chains I wear And I cut myself to make these hurts I bear And all that I see in their eyes are frightened stares Nobody wants to know me well, It is so dark inside my mind today A legion of voices is pulling me their way And I get so weary of all of the terrible things they say Is this really who I am? Someone speak to me and bring me some peace today. Silence all these voices but yours and hold out your hand and pull me out of this grave.